yeah. What up? What up? What up? Welcome in. Welcome back to another episode of the Format Podcast. So, um, Kevin Durant still, still a major topic of discussion. So, I want to talk just a little bit about his trade demands and the situation with the Nets, and uh, also in talking about that, I want to discuss a bit of Draymond Green, probably the NBA's most outspoken player and host of the Draymond Green Show podcast. I want to discuss his commentary on it because I thought there was definitely some uh, interesting points that he made. But let's get to the Kevin Durant piece first. So obviously, and I already discussed this on an earlier episode, Kevin Durant, uh, after three years in Brooklyn, during which, let me make a point, he only played 90 games, right? 90 games of a little over 300. He only played 90, only made it out of the second round. Oh, excuse me, only made it past the first round once uh, with teammate Kyrie Irving. Um he has demanded a trade or requested a trade demanded, I guess, depends on how you want to word it, but he definitely wants out of Brooklyn now. And um, I think it's interesting because one of the biggest things when it first happened, my first thought was, and again, I'm kind of from the old school, I've been called an old head and that's cool, but I have an, an old school mentality on this in terms of competition, right? And I found it real interesting that number one, KD left the, the prevailing sentiment is KD left the Golden State Warriors because even though he was a dominant player there and arguably the best player on the team, the thought has always been that that's Steph Curry's team and KD felt like he would never get the requisite um, respect that he felt was due for the contributions he made to that franchise in terms of um, helping guide them to three straight uh, championships uh, series and two championships and winning two finals MVPs in which he pretty much dominated. Got it. Um, so he left because he wanted to be in a position where he could get, like, like I said, like get the respect that he thought that he deserved and kind of be the leader on a team, take him to a championship. So he and uh, Kyrie Irving uh, joined up in Brooklyn. They got there and uh, they did their thing. It didn't quite work out. And then, of course, you know, you have COVID coming up and the Kyrie Irving situation has been discussed ad nauseum. Now, the other thing is, um, with Ky Kyrie, he kind of got into it with uh, Brooklyn Nets management, and now he's on the trade block as well. There was um, kind of some consternation there. No one knew whether or not Kyrie was going to sign his player option or he was just going to hit the free agent market, blah, blah, blah. That didn't work out. He signed his player option, but yet the Nets are still shopping him. Cool. So KD decides after Kyrie signs the extent his player option – that he wants out, he requests a trade, he gives a, a list of teams he might want to go to, Miami being one, uh, Phoenix being another, a couple more teams on there. Got it. As of thus far, uh, the Nets haven't been able to find a willing trade partner or a trade partner that's going to give them everything they're looking for. Now, if it was me and I'm the Nets, first of all, I don't trade KD. I wouldn't even acquiesce to the trade request, right? I guess that just shows you how much power the modern NBA player has, especially the elite ones. But I would not have acquiesced to the trade request because, and I didn't know this um, when I first found out about it, he just signed a four-year extension for like $190 million. So you mean to tell me you signed the four-year extension, which to me says, hey, I want to be here. And then you decide that you want to get traded? Mm, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Or... If you're the Nets organization, simply what you do is you say, okay, Katie, cool. You want to get traded? All right, we want you here, but if that's what you want, fine. Then I take some perfunctory calls, whatever. I make a few calls, but basically I go back to Katie's representation and tell him, hey, 
We tried, couldn't make it happen because I would be asking for such a haul that nobody would be willing to give it up. So at the end of the day, I'd, I'd be in a situation if I'm the Nets front office where like, hey, KD, we tried. Sorry, couldn't make it happen. Suit up. <laughs> You're playing for us next year. That's that. And maybe down the line, if we can, we trade him. But I'm in no rush to do it. And I'm not going to allow him to hold me hostage. You just signed a deal. So, nah, not going to be able to do it. Not going to be able to do it. But that's me. Anyway, um, I think it's pretty interesting because, like, you're hearing some of the different stories. And one of the things that's being said is that KD was, I guess, frustrated with the way the Nets front office handled things with Kyrie. And first of all, if you're KD, you should be you should love the Nets front office for life. They gave you and Kyrie everything you wanted. They brought you guys there. You didn't like the coach, Kenny Atkinson, when you first got there. They got rid of him. They brought Steve Nash, who you gave the thumbs up on. Uh, they brought you DeAndre Jordan, who was already washed. They brought him in. They paid him. I mean, they've done everything that you wanted, but all of a sudden you decide, nah, I'm not good here. I want out. Nah, I don't, I don't respect that at all. That's me. Um, so again, if I'm the Nets, I either wouldn't entertain it or I would tell KD I'm entertaining it, then go back to him and say, Hey, we couldn't make the deal. We tried suit up. I mean, that's just me, but I, I think it's just so ridiculous to me. Number one, that KD signs a four-year extension, then demands a trade. And two, we gave you the four-year extension after you have played less than one-third of your available games in our uniform. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know. It's almost like there's no pride in playing the games anymore. Everyone wants the trappings that come with being an NBA superstar, but the pride in actually playing the games is not there anymore. I know things are different and blah, 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 but... It used to be a badge of honor to play 82 games and, and try to win it, but I, I guess it's just not the same anymore, and I got to understand that. Now, um, Draymond Green, let's get to that. Um, he's got a pretty good podcast, the Draymond Green Show, I mentioned it, and uh, one of the things he was talking about was he is baffled by the fact that people don't see players the way they used to. Matter of fact, let's hear what Draymond has to say about it. If Kevin Durant says, I, I actually don't want to be here anymore, I want to go to somewhere else, why does it matter? Why does that make you weak? Why does that make you, why does that make him, you know, it means he's running from something? I don't understand that. And the reason I don't understand it is because players are in control of their situation. Players are in control of their destiny. And so why is it that it's just not, that's the next step in his career. People can't accept the fact that athletes are now businessmen and no longer just playing basketball. And at some point, people have to realize and be able to accept the fact that athletes are businessmen and we make business moves and business decisions. To start calling somebody weak and they run from challenges, that's baffling to me because that man has worked his entire life to be in that position to where he controls where he goes next. And by the way, everyone in the NBA can't control where they go next. So to be in that position, to have the opportunity to control what you do next, that's the American dream. So, I mean, this is really good, right? And 
so let me start here. Draymond always talks about new media versus old media and this and that, right? And he talks about the fact that as players and athletes, they have an ability to look at the game and explain the game in a way that those of us who never played or never played on that level would be able to. But it's so funny. I, I really haven't heard a lot of actual explaining of the game from Draymond, but that's a different story. Um, I don't I don't think he goes into too much X's and O's or too much actual explanations in terms of, well, this is what happened here and that's what happened there and that's why we did it. He's giving a lot of opinions and that's cool. He, to some extent, takes us behind the curtains in terms of an athlete and that's cool, but he doesn't do a whole lot of teaching of the game, which you would think he would based on his previous commentary. Anyway, on this particular episode, like you just heard, one of the things he's saying, it, it baffles him that people don't see athletes as a business. And I get it. They are making tremendous amounts of money. But guess what, Draymond? On your side, yes, you guys can see yourselves as a business, and that's fine. But on this side, maybe not the media side, but from the fan side and the, and the casual onlooker, no, they don't see you as a business. They see you as performers. They see you as athletes and they should see you as competitors. So the problem here is not that people have an issue with the players making the best possible business decisions for them. The problem is people have an issue with the athletes, the players making decisions that hurt competition, right? And they, they, have a, they have an issue with people they can't identify, uh, excuse me, identify with in terms of the exorbitant amounts of money they make. And congratulations. Yes, you're right, Draymond. You guys are among the 450 best in the world when it comes to playing the game of basketball. So you should be highly compensated. I get that. But the average person cannot comprehend the amount of money that NBA players make and then the liberties that some of the NBA players take with said money in terms of, like I just mentioned earlier, Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant signing a four-year extension for $193 million. And then he decides that's when he's going to request a trade. Like most people aren't seeing that. And I, I, I thought it was a very, this wasn't part of the clip I just showed, but earlier in this particular episode, I thought he made a very good, not good, but interesting analogy in terms of nobody sees it as a problem where if someone works for Google, they then go to Apple. And then they work for Apple for a few years and then they go to Tesla and then they leave Tesla after a few years and then they go to DocuSign, right? No one sees that as a problem. They see it as a problem with athletes when they decide that they're going to hop around and move around. So I think part of the first thing is when it comes to athletes, if you're older than us, we've been trained to see for the most part athletes uh, maintaining their position with a particular team for longer, right? We, we, we saw that more when it came to the old school NBA, whether it was Michael Jordan playing the bulk of his career with the, uh, with, with the Bulls, Magic Johnson, lifetime Laker, Kobe, lifetime Laker, uh, Larry Bird, lifetime Celtic, things like that. Dominique Wilkins, not lifetime Hawk, but the majority of their careers um, with a particular franchise. And you get used to that. And so I totally get it. You're going to have to make the adjustment because it is what it is now. But that analogy that Draymond made in terms of the tech companies, it's not particularly apples to apples because one, it, let's say you're working for Google and then you go to Apple, chances are you probably got a non-compete clause in there that says if you leave Google, then you got to take some time before you move to Apple and, and you can't take certain things with you. There's none of that in basketball. And then the other problem with the basketball, and I said this earlier, is the competitive aspect. 
the teaming up to make super teams, not organizationally generated, but players coming together so they don't have to compete against one each uh, against one another, but they can grease the skids for an easier road to the championship. Fans, casual observers, non-athletes, they have a problem with that. And you can, well, I should say fans of an earlier generation have a problem with that. The, the younger fans who kind of grew up with this, they're a little more attuned to it. But what I think Draymond is not getting here and he's not paying attention to, the issue is not that we care about people, athletes doing what's best for them. The issue is that we care about the effect on competitive balance. For instance, KD saying he wants out of Brooklyn, cool. He wants to go to Miami in a trade, but he only wants to go to Miami if Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry are all still there. Well, what in the heck is Miami supposed to give up in that situation to get KD? Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, an old Udonis Haslam, and some cheese straws? Like, what, what are you supposed to do to try and get this guy? So you want to leave and you want to go to a team, but you only want to go to a team that's already loaded, right? That's that's how you want it. You don't want to go somewhere and build. You don't want to go somewhere and compete. You want to go somewhere and try to grease the skids for the easiest route to the championship. But yet, KD is the guy who tells us that it's not all about that. He just wants to hoop. He just wants to master the game and master his craft. Well, that's interesting. That doesn't add up then. If that's all that matters to you, why do you have to go to a team where it's already stacked and you don't want to go there if if the loaded roster can't remain relatively intact. That doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And things like this are why the average fan, the casual fan, even some of the uh, uh, more in-depth fans don't appreciate the moves that a lot of these NFL, excuse me, NBA players are making. I mentioned NFL because NFL is on my mind. And realistically, a lot of these athletes are friends with one another, even across leagues. And you see some of the NFL players, although the way that the NFL is structured, it's really hard to behave in this fashion if you're a player, but you see some of the more elite NFL players are starting to push that boundary and work towards NBA type uh, player, uh, uh, player empowerment. And so that's where the issue is. And I, I've, I just, I'm, I'm not sure Draymond, like why you can't see that. Obviously I know you're looking at things from the athlete point of view, and you do have a valid point when you're saying we as the fans and the people who are watching the game just have to get used to it, that it's not the way it was anymore. But when you start affecting competitive balance, that, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of people watching, is the issue. Um, so that's it. That's all I got on this topic. Uh, you guys know what it is. If you're watching, you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button in the lower right corner of your screen. Click the notification bell so you can be notified when new episodes come up. If you're looking for the audio-only podcast, of course, you can get the uh, audio-only wherever you get your audio podcast. Um, do me a favor, also click that like button. If your audio podcast platform allows it, please give us that five-star review and leave a comment and leave a comment here on YouTube as well. All that stuff helps us rise in the algorithm, helps more people find us. And if you enjoyed the content and you enjoy the sports talk and you know other people who do, please don't keep the show to yourself. Go ahead with sh and share it with them. And uh, I appreciate you. I'll be back next time. And I'm out. Peace.